One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Include, but it's not later. Talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can't truly prepare for the junk that follows this song. But hey, we give it a try. So here's the Knights of Vader. They are divided For equal sequel Hate and love they fight it I know that we are just musicians hired And their time is up So here's the Knights of Vader Impressive Most impressive a big thank you to Inspiriority Complex Providing our theme song It is April 27th, 2023 Hey guys, Chris here Yeah, I may have misplaced this episode for a while, but the good thing is we're going to get back at it soon with an Indy 5 discussion and hopefully a show about Jedi Survivor after that. I'm patiently waiting for Zach to finish the game so we can talk about it. Even though this one's getting a little old, we had some wholesome, evergreen discussion as usual, so enjoy the show. My name is Zach Weber, and I am joined by not... Katana Insider Chris Porteous. Hey, happy to be here. There's a lot to talk about that is far more interesting than the third saga of Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And joining us is, for I am the destroyer of retail, Joe Yazo. Hello, great to be back. Somehow Knights of Vader has returned. <laughs> Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. Yes, folks, uh, so much has happened since our last recording. Uh, the last topic was uh, space baptism at the Gator Pond, and we were all severely underwhelmed. Now we are, what, six weeks richer in Star Wars news and content, and instead of being underwhelmed, we are whelmed. A very firm whelmed, I'm feeling. Like, I'm not disappointed. I just feel like, okay, it's a Star Wars fan. Some ups, some downs from Celebration, which Chris attended. Um Jedi Fallen Order 2 still falling, coming out tomorrow or tonight, depending on where you live. So that's exciting. Good things I'm hearing about that game. Really no spoilers. Like it seems to be like almost what you would hope, like best case scenario is that like, oh, it's solid, good entertainment. There's really nothing hyperbolic coming out about it. Nothing like this is the greatest thing, the greatest Star Wars content since The Empire Strikes Back, which is the the default uh, reaction that the fandom gives to everything that they like refreshing to see something be a little more nuanced um we have ahsoka trailer from celebration we have star wars visions volume two coming out in about a week week and a half maybe so yeah and then we have a but we have movie announcements that most likely will never happen like joe yazo i'm pretty sure he can like attest to this at work I, i forgot that it being in europe it was a full like six hours ahead of us on the east coast of america and I forgot, so like at 8.30, I'm logging into social media and I'm seeing all these announcements. I'm like, oh my God. It's like I'm literally running into work. Like think like uh, Ebenezer Scrooge just being like, it's Christmas, it's Christmas. Everyone's like, so when are these movies coming out? And I'm like, they're most likely never coming out, but hey, it's provocative. <laughs> and as I go around just beating everybody's door down, telling them about this. Um, Spaghetti on yeah, the Yeah. <laughs> it's true it actually happened um yeah i i there's so much to delve into i really don't know where to begin uh, i don't think any of the movies are going to happen i i genuinely don't think a single one of those i think the the not episode 10 is not going to happen because way too early to make episode 10 without calling it episode 10 
a Dawn of the Jedi that's DOA as an, as an idea. Um, and, and Mandover simply because they realize they can sell big whiskey toys. Like that, that, that has the best chance, but all it's going to take is one bad season of Ahsoka or Skeleton Crew and that will go down the tubes immediately. Like this is well, all precarious at best. I do kind of like that I like as much as uh, Mando season three has left me somewhat whelmed as you as you said. I kind of like the idea of them sort of finishing off that show with a movie because I feel like culturally we don't like we don't do movies with TV show casts anymore. <laughs> like it seems like something that has been sort of determined that that is like a that is like a lowbrow activity and hasn't been done for a long time. So uh, usually it's like we, it's like a reimagining with a different cast for a feature film in the last couple decades, it seems. So I like it. Is that, what's the last movie TV show entourage or Veronica Mars? Is there one I'm forgetting? I guess I don't watch that stuff. So I don't know. Do I, but like, it's funny. I never (laughs) thought of that before. Like TV show, like TV shows ending with a movie. Like, I'm trying to think of some of the more... Joe, what's a high-profile TV show ending with a movie? I would probably say, if anything, probably Firefly. I was going to say Serenity, but, like, even that, like, that was niche during the initial release of the series. That was niche in 2005 when that movie came out. Like, it has its following, but I still think niche. And that's the same thing I would say for Entourage and Veronica Mars. The only other thing I could think of is the Star Trek Nemesis. Yeah, that's fair. But that's Star Trek's is in, yes, but that's an entirely separate beast. But that is probably the most comparable to this. Until the TV show came back. I know. That was fabulous. Yeah. It was amazing. I watched all of it when it came Season out. Season three. Season three, yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Zach, we're watching me and Joe are watching Star Trek. Just so you know. I know. Joe tells me about Picard. And he's like, Zach, it's good. I'm like, I know the internet keeps telling me this, but I don't know if it's because the Star Trek fans are so beaten down at this point. It is. They've just learned to – they're just happy to have like okay content after – I would have been happy if season three was season one of Picard and they just stopped it at that. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's it's a real shame way. that that's not what they did. It, yeah. it, you guys you guys remember Mad TV? They had the segment called Lowered Expectations. Like, that's, like I'm hearing that little chime right now. Lowered Expectations. <laughs> Well, you know, it's yeah. It, you know, it wasn't it wasn't actually that bad, but it was just like I think the main thing Picard season three suffers from is like Patrick Stewart being in his eighties. That's pretty much the main thing it suffers from. But you know, but like I was saying, I like the idea they're going to finish Mando with a movie because something um, narratively relevant might actually happen in the movie, especially if it's the end of the show. Will he actually have character growth this time, as opposed to not having really any serious character growth since uh, fall of twenty twenty? Or they might just kill him. Well, the, the other thing, too, is I think there's serious character development this season. You can't discount that. Please please, you know, the, please elaborate on that. The domestication of Din Djarin is very, <laughs> very character driven. He's not a but he doesn't anymore. Like, but think about it. Everything that he did at the end of season two, taking his helmet off in front of Big Whiskey and all that. Like if we begin season – oh, God. We begin Mandalorian season 2.5, a.k.a. the Book of Boba Fett, with him being told, like, yeah, everything he did at the end of season two, like, you got to kind of undo that now. And there's no him coming to terms with, like, keeping his helmet on. And then even the whole thing with the armor, like, yeah, Bo-Katan can take her helmet off because she's really not part of our cult. (laughs) She walks between two worlds. Well, the real reason she can take her helmet off is because she's Katie Sackhoff. Yes. And also because, um, uh, uh, come on, Pedro Pascal is actually not on set, so he can't take his helmet off. <laughs> fair, fair. 
even that last because what was I was reading something that because he didn't take his helmet off this season, I have no idea if this is true or not. He was only paid a like voice actor's fee, like a voice actor's fee. Like he wasn't paid like as an actor because technically he did not show his face at all. I believe it because uh, uh, John Wayne Jr. is credited on every episode. So, yeah, I don't know. That's that's interesting. I because I, again, apparently they were they were going to film again. This is all allegedly got put allegedly in front of all this. That final shot was going to be him with his helmet off, but they apparently there was scheduling conflicts with Last of Us, so they couldn't they they didn't have time for that. But I'm like, how hard is it to CGI someone's head onto a body? Like they do that all the time. They've been doing it with. They did it with Christopher Lee in two thousand two. Man, it's not that's that what hard. I mean. Yeah. Like if they wanted to do that, they could have, and they chose not to. Yeah, well, the, you know, it would require an explanation because, like, I'm pretty sure, like, now that Gro, Gro, Grogu, uh, Din Grogu is a, officially a Mandalorian, he's not allowed to take his helmet off around him either. He gets tattled what, on. Why can't go back to jail? Why can't Din Big Whiskey sit there? Like, why isn't he wearing a helmet? Because he I, can't speak the creed yet, Zach. Did you even watch this? I did. Show? He can't speak the creed, but like it doesn't matter because like he's fifty years old and they they made it work. Like the mental gymnastics and the uh, the bathing of the living waters of Mandalore and like the amount of eye rolling during all that. It's like they know where it is. It's 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 actually colonized again, Mandalore. He can go back and just be like, "I'm going for a dip. I took my helmet off. Sorry, I'm going to take the creed over again," and that's it. <laughs> Is that and what then, Atonement is? It's a car wash, essentially. Just every exactly. single time you get a little dirty, just go right through it, right back. He goes That's into the point. Goes into the pond. He gets, he gets a little. Just like going to confession at church, yes. like you know, you can you can sin all you want, just going on Sunday and just clean the slate. Like, is it really That's, that passive That's of it. a process? The armor is going to be taking indulgences. It'd be like <laughs> you, you can find the way if you pay me this much money. That's so funny. Doesn't that like I could that kind of makes sense because like, you know, they it probably would be like a, a cyclical ritual when they lived on Mandalore. But then it, you if you think about like what a what a pain the armor is being by demanding that he do that when the planet's like a nuclear meltdown and like they don't even know if they can safely go there. She's like, you know, this thing we used to just do every Sunday uh, that you can't do anymore. You have to do that or you're not allowed back in the club. It's just I don't know. It's, it's pretty I'm pretty rough. sure that's a cult. You just you just described the cult. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. like I don't know. Like, like, do we want to just briefly talk about each episode of the season that we didn't cover last week, quote unquote, last week? Um, if you can remember, like the defre- the defining uh, moments of, I'm gonna, look, <laughs> I'm gonna have to look it up. Like that's the problem. Oh, oh boy. I'm pretty sure I can do that for seasons one and two off the top of my head, but I can't do it for the thing that happened in the last two months. Right. Well, all I know is that Jack Jack Black showed up at one point. And it was the closest we've ever gotten to the holiday special, and I'm like, oh, we were we were yeah. this close to greatness. I've been watching this season with my daughter, and she goes, okay. "Dad, that's Lizzo, and that's Jack Black. I think he's doing it because the Mario Brother movie is coming out this weekend." I'm like, "Probably. I think yeah. so." She was like, "This is the most amazing episode I've ever seen," and she like watches all the Star Wars stuff now. I wish that I could get her out of bed right now and. Tell her to come down and get a pair of headphones on and talk because she is she is through the moon about this show right now. Wow, I mean the first the first two minutes of that show were like the the uh, calamari and Quarren, like Romeo and Juliet. That was funny. 
With Axe, well, we we have to bring up, we have to bring this up because Chris like threw so much shade at Axe Wolves. Man, Axe Wolves actually had something to do this season. Like that's one talk about character development. Yeah, but well, he's kind of an idiot though. Like he's just like <laughs> he's he's just like like he, like you know he was like if you look at his appearance just in season two, you'd think oh. This guy's pretty respectable. He would never like pointlessly turn on Bo-Katan because the script says so, but then he does, and then and then you know he's like he's he somehow thinks he's a superior leader and he's got his build. Ba- I mean, he did assemble a much better like uh, vagrant band of pirates than Bo-Katan had. To be fair, like by the time she went to reclaim control of that, he did have a good number of assets compared to her. So may, I don't know. It just seemed like he's a little bit of a turncoat. You know, like what does she do? to 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 make those two leave because she had no prospects of having the dark saber before then anyways and they were still around so can we can we please talk about like just the handing off of the dark saber and how like it feels like harry potter level with like the wands with like well technically voldemort wasn't the true owner of the elder wand because it was malfoy who had it and he's the one who technically disarmed snape even though voldemort killed snape like it's like, oh my god! Like this is like again, they. I just don't know what's happening in this writers' room. Yeah, I just like it's it, it's it's that level of just it's like well technically the Bo-Katan's the true ruler of the dark saber because she killed Discount General Grievous and he disarmed me. Here's why it's even funnier though, because like in Book of Boba Fett, Favrilorian has a duel with the Mandalorian to for the for the dark saber. So there's one instance that was totally pointless that it would have been more interesting if he fought Bo-Katan for it in the end of season two or in season three. And then you have this fight between Bo-Katan and Axe Woves that could have just been... Bo-Katan could have just challenged Din in that same exact field and been like, I'm going to beat you in front of all these guys and then get the Darksaber and then you guys have to listen to me. So you could have just had that exact fight with the two of them because what happens? Axe Wolf doesn't die. He just yields at the end anyways. So yeah. like, it's literally no stakes whatsoever. So she could have just had a show fight with Din there just for the sake of it instead of making everyone like groan horribly. But... uh <laughs> You know, it's it's but it's not that it's not like Din doesn't fight people for no reason and get horribly injured all the time. He does. Yes, he. I, but what happened to all the Book of Boba Fett stuff, where like the armors tell, like coaching him, like you can't like resist it, you have to swing with it. Where did all of that go? Like, where was all that? Like, we like, he has the dark saber, and, I, and you would swear that they only did that to sell toys. Except they had the. There's no toys of it. There's what? There's no posters at Walmart of it. Like him getting the dark saber was almost like a waste. It was just there to be a provocative notion at the end of season two, and it's erased by the end of season three. The the cycle of dark saber toys has already come and gone. There was a bunch, Zach. Well, sure, but I'm not saying about the dark saber as a toy <laughs> itself. I mean, just giving it to not Boba Fett. Like that's like giving it to him almost means nothing. It would have been more interesting at the end of season two, instead of um, Moff Gideon having it disarmed, being disarmed, wouldn't have been more interesting to have it destroyed then. It's like, okay, who's a true ruler of Mandalore now? It's like this guy who like illegally, quote unquote, took custody of it and it was destroyed under his thing. So like what happens? And it becomes like this weird power vacuum and you have all these people claiming, like, I don't know, like, and there's so much more they could have done with all of this. 
And it just feels hollow. And that's where it goes back to being whelmed. Like there was no way they were going to be able to top Luke Skywalker showing up. There was, they were never going to top that. And they knew that. So they went into this season just being like, how can we just spin plates? This was their version of Iron Man 2. Like this was table setting for bigger and better things. We're going to look back at this season 10 years from now and be like, oh, even the beginning of uh, chapter seven with like Captain Pallion and you sit there, have Brendel Hux, the father of the spy. Like everyone keeps wondering who are the two spies from what was it? Episode six, chapter six, was it? I thought it was seven, but I don't know. Okay. But everybody keeps wondering who were the two spies. One of them was Lady uh, Imperial Remnant and the other one was General Hux's father, the spy, the spy's father. That's a deep cut for like people listening three years ago. Um, but that's the thing is that like that beginning of chapter seven of season three was more provocative than pretty much the remaining minutes of the season. Like the idea of, again, like we finally get to see Captain Pallion. It's like, well, Grand Admiral Thrawn, like I want more tie interceptors and I want the Praetorian Guard. And it's like, okay, like clearly, again, this is all table setting. This is Nick Fury showing up yeah. to Iron Man at the donut place and being like, I have bigger things happening in the in New Mexico desert right now. It's like, can we make this interesting first before we table set for other things? Yeah. Even then at the end of the day, no one's going to remember any of this 10 years from now. Yeah. Paleon looked real funny to me. Like it looked like they were trying so hard to make him look how he does in the comics. And it's yeah. like, he just looked like he was wearing like a fake mustache or something. Like he looked really off to me. I don't know. It looked like he was like a 30 year old guy, like playing a 70 year old guy with like fake, like hardware on there. I don't know. Something weird, something off putting about it. But uh, yeah, it's just like the council of, of uh, references and member berries. And then like, Obviously, we haven't seen the last of Moff Gideon, and most likely, what what'll happen is that if I, I, you know, if you go back and and play it back frame by frame, as that lab is blowing up, you probably see a naked, force sensitive John Carlo Esposito like running out of there before the whole place blows up, and you know he's gonna be super Moff Gideon next season. He's got force powers because it was me, one of those clones that escaped or something. It's just irresistible. They can't help themselves, but um. I, I just I don't know if I like I don't know if that's like narratively satisfying in any way because it's essentially it's a new character. It's it's not like he's not like even like people who like the Mandalorian as a TV show like Moff Gideon is like he's an underwhelming villain. He hasn't done anything of value. He's he's never succeeded anything. The closest he's come to succeeding is that the Dark Troopers kidnapped Big Whiskey in season two. And that was it. Like he's never been a potent villain. And that's where, like, you can tell also, because again, like, whether it be posters, merchandise, he's kind of nowhere. Like, nobody, like, I'm not doubting that there's cosplays of him, but he's not a, like, a fan favorite figure. Like, he's just not. Yeah. And it's not the actor's fault. <laughs> he, he never got cooler than when he cut himself out of yes. a TIE fighter. And that was, exactly. <laughs> that was the peak. Yeah. I, I, Joe, what do you think on all this? Like, are, are you, are you excited? Are you, when he flew down, when he flew down with the with the black Beskar armor on, with the like the the almost like the crown on his helmet, that was pretty decent. And if I was into getting action figures, I'd probably want that one with the removable. Will never exist. Yeah, that's gonna be the Haslab <laughs> from twenty years from now. Hey, we have a we have a Trapper Wolf X Wing helmet. They can very realistically make like a a Boba Fett, not Boba Fett, a Mandalorian with like the little spiky things. 
They'll make that mold at some point, yeah. Chris, and they'll sell it like 20 times because they'll be like, oh, Clone Wars, like, mall loyalist Mandalorian. Then, like, the Gar Saxon, like, Mandalorian helmet. Mm. Like, they'll, they'll market it a few times. They'll get their money to buy that mold. They did already make the, the Darth Maul helmet Mandalorian. Yeah, for TVC. I don't know how close the helmet is, though, but I guess they, they can just paint it black and say close enough. That... <laughs> It's like what they did with that black series Jesse Trooper where it has like the little range finder. And it's like, did Hasbro even look at the character at one point? Like you could have not put that range finder in there and people would have been happy. Like you put an extra piece that nobody wants. Yeah, I don't I didn't know my Jesse well enough to get outraged by that, but I, I don't care either, but I like that they included an extra piece where Hasbro's I think about that. Like if you're like producing even only five thousand of those figures, that little extra past plastic piece, even if it's a fraction of a cent, still unnecessarily adds up. Yeah, but like also there's probably some reason why it was easier for them not to change like a production procedure of some kind. <laughs> where there's I like just tell the factory that same part from like 18 months ago <laughs> don't change anything it costs too much to change anything something like that we already got the file of it we got the mold. exactly so okay um, what was there a standout chapter from this season for everybody i mean you kind of for uh, you kind of have to say the cameo fiesta just because it's like as stupid as it is it's probably the most memorable thing but it's not even cameos. Like Captain, like think about it. We've reached a point where Brendel Hux and Captain Pallion are probably the most exciting thing from this season. Oh, I was talking about the Christopher oh. Lloyd Lizzo Jack Black episode. Oh, that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> just I think that's the culturally defining moment of season three, just because of it's like oh, there's nothing happened in the story, so you just remember the time everyone got mad that Lizzo uh, was allowed to be in Mandalorian with a criminal record. Even though G, uh, Gina Carano is canceled for for you know a tweet or something, but uh, you know that's that's the defining cultural moment of the season. Zach. It, I will say, hearing Christopher Lloyd say "In Count Dooku is right" was was kind of funny. Like it's just like, oh no, no, he says, "Get it right, Zach." He says, "Count Dooku was a visionary." <sighs> <laughs> like, how do you uh, make that up? Like that, like how is that? Like that is just as clunky as I don't like sand. It's coarse. It's rough, and it gets everywhere. That is the equivalent of that. I had the distinct pleasure. So while I, you know, I drove with some buddies down to the Chicago Toy Show last week, and I had the distinct pleasure of telling a guy who was completely checked out of season three. Guess what? Christopher Lloyd shows up, and here's an actual thing that he says: Count Dooku was a visionary, and this guy's like, "You are." beyond making this up but i'm not gonna watch it anyway it was amazing see that's the correct answer you still don't get <laughs> tempted by it see that's what happens when the uh the snake tried giving the apple to eve and eve would have said no thank you i pass like that's the correct way i i i don't believe you but i still don't want to indulge like yeah resisting temptation to the highest highest levels exactly um i don't know joe like, like you said your daughter liked the cameo fest as chris is calling it what did you think of cameo fest like Chris, it didn't move the story. It was very nice to see, you know, Christopher Lloyd there. I thought that was that was that was nice to see as a cameo. Jack Black, I could have, you know, he, he didn't need to be there. Neither did Lizzo. I did like the rest of that episode. The whole like 
a section where they're going to find all the like crazy droids and the droid bar and like the B1 and super battle droids malfunctioning. Like that was good stuff, man. Like that, I thought that was entertaining. Did it have anything to do with any overarching narrative of the show? Absolutely not. But it was, it was cool to see uh, some droids getting some interesting screen time. And it's like, but you know, if you really don't, you can't analyze it too much. Cause like what the heck was Christopher Lloyd's like, big plan he didn't like jack black therefore he was causing civil unrest <laughs> like he you know, he was like crashing taxis and stuff like it's not doing a whole lot of damage i think they said that no one had died oh there was just a nuisance and people were getting scared and it was all so he could sit there and make it make it so the people would have to do things for themselves like they did before instead of relying on droids Oh yeah, they got too decadent. Yeah, but uh, but uh, you know it's it's yeah. but you know it was cool seeing Christopher Lloyd, but he kind of suffers from the same thing as Patrick Stewart, where like once you're in your 80s, like your ability to like deliver lines in a way that is understandable to the audience goes down to some degree, and it's just like you hate to see it, but it's like you know like they they could have probably done some more takes or something, but I, I found him a li- I found it a little bit distracting. The one. The one episode that really stuck to me when I watched it, and I was, I thought it was like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool, is when they off Doctor Pershing. Did they off him, or he just like, is he like brain melted now? He brain melted. They, they, they killed him off. I don't think you've seen the last of him, but the way they're structuring this is appalling because it's like, okay, somewhere in season two, he gets captured at the end, I guess, second last episode. Then we get one hour-long like wheel spinning update on him here and then what now we're gonna wait like a year or two to find out like like i'm guessing he gets eventually re-picked up by like mando and the boys and he's gonna be somehow integral to to defeating force sensitive clone moff gideon but like how long do we have to wait for this like generic thing to play out man <laughs> i don't know well is this uh, well okay this is the thing then this kind of ties it into the ahsoka trailer like air the empire are we going to get like cloned mad Jedi? Like, is that going to be part of this too? Is that like, you already saw him. Like clearly air of the empire is happening. Like they're, they're, they're doing air of the empire without calling it air to the empire. Yeah. Without all the good characters, but they're doing it. But that's what I mean. And that's where I, again, like kind of the segue into the, like, I will say that of all the announcements in everything over the last like two months, the Ahsoka trailer got me excited, man. Like I said, like I, I always gauge my Star Wars excitement by how much I want to buy merchandise after consuming me- uh, marketing materials or media. And dude, that was just like, I'm like, it looked, it gives me that feeling of like what I have, I recognize things, but I have no idea what direction it's going in. Yeah, I, I liked that. That I th- I thought the trailer looked for Ahsoka looked really good, and like I don't know who this this sort of generic dark Jedi dude. This looks kind of cool, and he's got an awesome lightsaber that looks like like early Darth Vader design with like a mm-hmm. with like a disc at the bottom, and it's like kind of orange and not red. I don't know. There's there's something about the way they sort of rendered the lightsaber looked really cool in that trailer, but you know, I mean, I like. The, the cynic and me, you know, when you see... What's the name of the Jedi uh, droid that shows up at the end where he's like... It's, a Huang? Huang? Really? Huang? What? The, I'm talking about the droid at the end who's like the lightsaber droid. Yeah, David Tennant. His name's like Huang. Okay, I'll take your word for it. It's like H-U-Y-N-Y-A-N-G. Yeah, it's like Huang. That's just like a, some guy's first name, so I don't know why droid is called that. But like... <laughs> I'm sorry, Greg was taken that day. They're naming characters in the Lucasfilm offices in like 2009. This would be so much more 
like, oh man, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but you know, it's just the truth. Like how much more impactful would my, would that trailer be? And how much more excited would I be if I didn't know how the future of that timeline played out? <laughs> I think this is going to be so divorced from that. I don't. I think, because again, keep, no, 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 I no. this is the thing. I think it's going to be so divorced. Like it's going to be what Mandalorian was, the Praetorian Guard. Like you're going to have your sprinkled in moments of sequel trilogy, but it's going to be that, like what, think about it, Chris. In 2015, remember how much of a big deal the Battle of Jakku was? Remember how big of a deal the Battle of Jakku was? And now, like, think about that. This has all occurred, and we're three seasons into the Mandalorian, and we've never heard the word Jakku once. And that was supposed to be like the great, like the biggest battle of the entire galaxy, because you literally had like the sky on fire, and an entire desolate planet was inhabited because there was so much money to be made off of it. But wasn't it? Um, so I gotta, I don't know, maybe you know off the top of your head, but like the isn't the Battle of Jakku something like? six or seven years after return of the jedi no it's one year after battle of endor actually you know what i i bought something a couple days ago i'm gonna go get it it's gonna be uh for reference sake okay well i yeah i thought i thought that it was uh i thought the battle of jakku was much later than that so i guess it's happens on or before it happens before even season one of mandalorian so that's that's interesting joe do you remember what the battle of jakku is yeah Okay, <laughs> that was that was the end of the that was the end of the uh, galactic civil war. Do you know how you know that? Because of the battlefront two. Okay, that's a good, that's a good. Re- I didn't. I don't know how I know that, but I guess I know it. <laughs> they had to explain. They had to explain why Ray was going on Jakku, harvesting <laughs> star destroyers. Yeah, the the battle of Jakku exists because someone made concept art for the beginning of the force awakens where there's like crashed ships on a desert. That's why the battle of Jakku exists. They had to retroactively justify the set. <laughs> All right. So what did you go and get Zach? All right. I want the audience to know, cause I've been, I kind of talked about this a couple episodes ago, the star Wars timelines book, like they announced it years ago. I've made jokes that it would never be released cause it kept being indefinitely delayed until Tuesday evening. I was on my phone and I see someone like with a picture of it. I'm like, oh my God, did that finally get released? And next thing I know, my Barnes and Noble had it. So bought it in store. Um, and like things dense. Like I really have only got, I only got it two days ago, but like I only gotten up to like the Battle of Naboo. So when Chris is like talking about like the timeline of all this, and this is officially sanctioned Lucasfilm nonsense, but the there's an entire page about the looming shadow, shadow showdown man i can't talk today from five aby i should say for chris the entire book is done in aby as god intended and um yeah oh god some of these names i don't even know at this point because i think they're from like there's a lot of alphabet squadron in this like page so it's all canon right there's no reference to like legends no legends at all okay um yurka quell now reinstated with the empire but secure Secretly providing intelligence to the New Republic, races to stop the slaughter of thousands of civilians on Coruscant. A scouting mission discovers the Imperial fleet is massing at Jakku, but convincing politicians but convincing politicians to act runs into problems. Meanwhile, Sith artifacts fall into the hands of a dark side extremist who uses them to launch attacks on New Republic targets. And of course, you have Operation Cinder during a small engagement between the Yadis and three ex-Imperial Gazanti cruisers, Quell spots another chance to send a coded message 
Sensing she is being watched, he turns and fires, destroying one of the Emperor's messenger droids. Um, all right, the contingency. This is all five ABY. Okay, Gallius Rax begins ex- executing the final step of the Emperor's plan. Rax is to lure the Imperial and New Republic fleets to Jakku, then eliminate them both by destroying the planet. Um, where is this now? How much of this do you think is just copy and pasted from Wikipedia? Wikipedia. Sorry. <laughs> I was just about to say Wikipedia. Um, I don't know, to be honest with you. The nice thing about Wikipedia compared to that book is like it actually says like what media like each piece of information came from. Damn. Like there's an entire spread. Like I'm not kidding you. Like almost like a splash page for the Battle of Jakku. Man, you got to give it. Like, I, I know like there's cynicism about like the sequel trilogy time period, but like you got to give credit where credit is due. Yeah. Okay. Battle of Jakku, 5ABY. The very next page is a picture of the Mandalorian. Again, like, it's hard to do this while holding the microphone, but I'm going to hold it up to the camera. Like, here is your Battle of Jakku, like, page. 5ABY. Very next page. 6ABY, the New Republic, and it's the Mandalorian. So, like, we, the Mandalorian is very much in a post-Battle of Jakku world. And we've not heard it referenced once. Like even like it's kind and part of it too. And this is where you get into your like ancillary media. Where is Grand Admiral Ray Sloan? Like they released a tie, uh, a Lego minifig of her, so you would assume she's coming down the pike at some point. Is that this is a Battlefront character, right? No, she's uh, from the books. Okay, but she's oh, I thought she's in Battlefront too. Maybe I'm no, uh, no. Well, technically she's at the Battle of Jakku, which is in Battlefront too. But like okay. no. This has solely been a uh, a book character and like comic character, from what my understanding is. Speaking of Wikipedia, all right. Well, you know, it's interesting that they choose a two page spread of the Mandalorian to 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 represent the dawn of the New Republic. It's hi- highly uh, inappropriate, but uh, I guess we'll we'll take what we can get. I will say, like, and, and there are points in this where it says like estimated versus like concrete dates. It says. Oh God, Poe Dameron! I see, I see the word Poe Dameron next to Din Djarin, and yeah. it's very funny. That's um, where Filoni wants to like leave wiggle room for when he decides that the ending <laughs> of Rebels takes place thirty years after the rest of the show. Yes, well, that's what they. I will say that it, there are points in this to say estimated, so it's giving themselves wiggle room because like this book is just like a logistical nightmare for anybody who has to like lay anything out. But yes, nine ABY fateful meeting. Mandalorian bounty hunter Din Djarin recovers the alien Grogu during a routine job. The alien. Din's encounter with Grogu turns him against the bounty hunter's guild after he violates its code and refuses to give Grogu up to the client, capital, who paid for him. So you are talking, again, 9 ABY for the the big whiskey and the Battle of Jakku was 5 ABY. So you're talking a four-year gap there. Five years since Return of the Jedi. So that is... Something that is in writing per publishing. I guess I'm. I guess it makes you wonder if the Ahsoka show is going to like jump around time period wise, or if it's all definitively like right after the Mandalorian. I I don't know. Like, like there's literally an entire splash page again about Operation Cinder. Um, after Endor, I'm trying to see. I'm <clears> trying to see if I can find something for the ending of Rebels. It, well, yeah, it just seems like unless that, like, like I was saying, unless that ending of Rebels is like 
way off. It really seems like Ahsoka and the Rebels gang just really just messed around for years and did nothing. I, Chris, there's an entire two page spread about uh, uh, Boba, Boba Fett and like his like misadventures with the Tusken Raiders. Oh. <laughs> like, okay, we should like Chris has always for years now been pressuring me for the Patreon, but the closest we ever come to it is the idea of buying this book and just having Chris react to like pages of it, just being like, why are you going into detail like this? Why is there so much information yeah. on something that doesn't matter? War of the Bounty Hunters? Man, this yeah. thing is dense. My reaction would be like Hank Hill when like when Bobby does like dance in class or something. Like that's my what I would sound like while I read that book. But uh, I don't know, man. Like there, it's I don't think you're. I'd be I'd be surprised if there were any like actual um, insightful nuggets in there leading towards any of the upcoming media it's probably well sanitized mm, you'd be surprised like i said I, i've barely scratched the surface for this thing but there are like at the very beginning stuff about like dawn of the jedi it's all estimated but there is stuff that says dawn of the jedi so clearly again it might be the equivalent of again empire's end aftermath book where it's like oh thrawn or the Palpatine only kept thrown around for his understanding of the unknown regions and some like Palpatine will return one day. It could be all just like scattershot seating, but I don't, I don't know. I, I do think they have some vision. I think they're just kind of like, they trip over themselves. It, yeah. I think they're starting to feel the reality of the fact that the available time periods they have to play with, like, between the trilogies are sort of getting filled up in their first 10 years of creating content and the idea that they're sort of committed to everything being canon really sort of puts everything uh in a pretty sort of restrictive grid okay i'm trying to find a page on rebels i haven't found one yet yeah well that's definitely not going to put a definitive date on the like ending of rebel rebels when they decide to like go find ezra so well, no, no, I, I know, yeah. I'm no, not the defendant, but I'm curious, like, what ABY or, uh, or technic, yeah, ABY, no, it'd be BBY. Okay, let me see. It almost looks like from the trailers of Ahsoka, that's it's coming out after, after the season, the last scene of Rebels, because it has the same ships, it has the same almost type of scenery in it. Yeah, except for except for in the end of Mandalorian season three, you have Paleon and the Imperial Council like sort of describing Thrawn's return. So like that sort of places it like squarely like the next day after season three of Mando, if 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 it's all about Thrawn coming back. Okay, so I did find something again: the world between worlds, uh, Lothal Jedi Temple interrogation. Yeah, for the listeners, Zach is really reading, doing Bible study right now. He's got the book out on a big pedestal. Verse, Armitage Hux, General born on Arcanus. Just in case anybody's wondering, General Hux's father was born one BBY, which is really fascinating. Um, no, 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 Armitage. No, Armitage is General Hux. I'm sorry. I got I losing track of names. <laughs> of all the indignities done in Mandalorian Season 3, I know, reminding right? us that Hux is a real person in the camp. Yeah, so message – okay. Message from – sorry for everybody. I'm trying to read and keep my face at the mic with this giant book at the same time. Um, message from Ezra. This is one, BB, one BBY. The ghost crew listens to a message from Ezra where he says goodbye and tells him he can't wait to come home. Lothal celebration. Lothal citizens cheer as they turn against the remaining Imperial troops. Obviously the season four finale. 
Um, evolution of the TIE Fighter, talking about like the TIE Dagger. Interesting. TIE. So they just avoid when th- their little mission at the end. Then, it, from what I can tell, like it's 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 keeping it very broad because it, it's saying Rogue One obviously is one BBY, and that's you can make the argument days BBY before. They don't get any more specific than years, I guess. No. Yeah. No, one BBY. So you could make it the battle scare of his one BBY where, again, realistically, and then you go into Age of Rebellion, which it's interesting they're going back to that again. That was like a pre-Rise of Skywalker-like timeline. Um, so the argument could be made that the battle of Lafal and Scarif could be happening – because no, because Scarif is happening and the ghost is there. So Lafal happens before Scarif. Two days. Yeah. Scarif is like less than a week before the battle you have in. But but I mean those relative to the battle of Lafal, like where Ezra goes off with Thrawn. Yeah. I, 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 I feel like, like – no, I don't expect them to define anything now because yeah. obviously that's good. That, that is a hotly contested uh, topic. But I wouldn't be surprised – I wonder if there's an index. Oh my God, Crystal! Crystal, last page is Ray Skywalker with her lightsaber. Oh, jeez. See episode ten. See somebody in publishing knew what they were doing, man. Someone. Oh, it does have an index. Should have the adventure continues right on that page. It should have like a little note section that says "fill in the dots for where we where things will inevitably change." Place where you can put your pictures and tape and index cards. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Like a scrapbook. Ray Skywalker will return. <laughs> it's gonna be a Mad Lib. They're gonna have you turn it in. Be like, you can write a script for us. <laughs> <laughs> they find a Sentinel droid from the aftermath books, Chris. What's Sabine's first name? No, Ren. Sabine Ren. So that'd be under W. Female Boba Fett, Chris. There's a difference. Family reunion. Titus. Not Boba Fett the fourth. Titus Under Factories Rebel Alliance. Let's see, one sixty-seven. Yeah. Artistically inclined Boba Fett. This is called like this is like again like going back to like OG Knights of Vader when Mark would just like pull a book out and just make the poor audience just sit here as he like furls their pages. Dude, dude. <laughs> Rebels is such a fever dream to me. Like you remember that time Sabine was like fourteen, but also like oppenheimer and made a machine that like <laughs> melted mandalorians like inside their armor and just like horribly killed them and that was a plot line in that show what the heck was that that i i, I will say like this is something to keep the like I, this is like a call to action for the audience at home not for the greater good but just for like in your social circles in your real life try it explain to people what episodes they need to watch of rebels before ahsoka and you'll go out of your mind because there's so much that is like in Rebels that's tied to Clone Wars. Like every episode of Rebels that's required viewing, I would imagine for Ahsoka, requires probably seven – for every one Rebels episode, probably requires six Clone Wars episodes yeah. to well, firmly explain what's happening. That's because Disney Disney like jerked around Filoni. Like he never knew – like you know, he thought, oh man, I didn't want Clone Wars to get canceled. But you know, corporate nonsense. So I guess I'll f- tie up some of those plot lines in Rebels since that will be the only chance I'll ever get. Psych, you get to continue Clone Wars and do live action shows with the same characters. So he is doing redundant plot lines now because the stuff he did in Rebels, he is just reoccurring in later shows like Clone Wars Season 7 and – the live action shows because now he can do it again and he has to find something else for these characters to do. He probably thought 
that Rebels was going to be it for those characters. And that's why you have all those Clone Wars connections. Apparently, when Kenobi kills Maul on Tatooine, it is 2 BBY. Chris, did you know in 2 BBY estimated, Amelin Haldo takes command of the Kandor after its captain dies during an attack by a Star Destroyer? Her innovative plan allows the ship to escape capture. That cool. Um, <laughs> you know, you know what I wouldn't have, wouldn't have liked if I saw episode one, and and then somebody told me, by the way, um, Darth Maul uh, dies on Tatooine like two years before A New Hope. It's like what? Kind of fascinating when you phrase it that way. <laughs> it's like you mean he he didn't just get cut in half and fall down a tube? Wild. I don't know, Zach. You're, I don't. I don't think you're going to find the the golden nugget in there. <laughs> what, are, what are you looking for? Well, that's good. That two is good. Like we should all say two. Like we might not get Luke, but we're going to get something probably equally as stupid as that. Like that. That is going to play. A, think about. It. They've been sitting on that nugget now for almost a decade. The idea of like, how'd you get that? A story for another time. As Mass Kanata looks directly into the camera. Like, that's another thing, too. Like, we're going to get that at some point, and it's going to be clunky as hell, and I can't wait. I don't know if I, I – it's like – I guess they for that particular one, they have a good amount of time period to play with. They don't have to do that anytime soon. It's – you know how it, that saber's in like a, like a crusty, dusty old trunk, but by the time they get to it, it'll be like Maz Kanata like picked it up like the weekend before Ray showed up. <laughs> swap meet at, at Maz's castle. At a garage sale. It was a swap meet. She bought it. She, she bought it for. She bought it for the box. Yeah, and can you believe? You know, on our last recording, we were talking about how the Mandalorian was like definitely going to go to Bespin and like deal with some Ugnots to get an IG Eleven head. Like there was a scene where he was dealing with some a bunch of Ugnots, and it was hilarious, but it wasn't on Bespin. Yeah, they couldn't afford those sets, Chris. Those are some practical effects. Well, like one of those Ugnaughts was like exactly Quill. They're like, hey, just dust off that other mask and give him bigger eyebrows. It was pretty close. Although I wish they would have done like, like, you know, in, in Empire, when the Ugnaughts like are, are getting hassled, they make like weird little cat noises. I wish they would have thrown a few of those in there because now they just talk like regular dudes. Not pig people from these Twilight Zone. <laughs> and in Rebels, they just literally make pig noises. That's it. They just scream like pigs and rebels. It's pretty crazy. Now they're just pretty normal. I kind of like some of the titles they have for things in this book, like the entire Luke thing on the Battle of Crate. Chris, you remember like when that was happening, people were like, what are we calling that? Like a force projection? They actually call it Force Roos. Like what? <laughs> Luke didn't like a roos. Like it's it literally says Force Roos. Really? Four, 34ABY Force Roos. Luke projects himself through the force, stalling Kylo Ren on crate so that Leia and the Resistance can escape. Standing alone against the First Order's might, he becomes a legend that will inspire the galaxy for generations to come. It's great. Force Roos. Wow. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure... Man, somebody in publishing was tired that <laughs> night. Yeah, I mean, Ryan, Ryan Johnson already pointed to the book where he got that from, and it wasn't called that. Yeah. 35 ABY, Master's Wisdom, Luke manifests as a force spirit to counsel Rey when she returns to Octo, guiding her to Leia's lightsaber. Okay. Yeah, all right. Well, yeah. you know. This book's fascinating. I'm glad that – look at that, guys. Like, Zach is thoroughly engaged in a new Star Wars product. That book is interesting, man. Like, that gets – you know how many pissing contests that book's going to make? 
Like there's like the problem is that like I like much like me, I like to think I have my finger on the pulses of this stuff. And when I like 7 p.m. the night it's released, being like, oh god, this finally came out. There's no hype. There's no like anything. It's just oh yeah, it's out now. And to the point where when you go to like like you do an in-store pickup order on Barnes and Noble, and they're like, yeah, we were digging around the back like for the last like half an hour looking for this. Then we realized. We put it on the shelf and we didn't even realize. It's like, you know that there is no hype whatsoever, which should be. Think about it, Chris. Even during like what? The, the the prequel era, the idea of a timelines book would have been like, oh my God, like that was the biggest thing upon Star Wars fans. You too, Joe. You remember like the idea of like, no, this happened before this. And they release a book like this and nobody cares. There's indifference. Well, there is a really, you know, there's a really good Legends one from like, that's called the essential chronology that, you know, that's the real one. You guys should all have that. Like I do, but, um, that, you know, that's the one that covers like the, uh, like the tales of the Jedi, Kate yeah, tales of the Jedi, all the way, like all the way to like, you know, uh, pre old Republic, all the way to Kate Skywalker. It probably actually came out before Kate Skywalker was a thing, but it, it, it covers a, a good chunk of time there. And it, you know, it has, um, it has it had unique illustrations, not just copy and paste from across Star Wars media, which that new book appears to have. Yeah, that book's gonna be fun. I look forward to just being like, what is happening right now? Um, there's th- again, while you guys are talking, I'm like reading like paragraphs, and it's like like three A B Y. It's like three B B Y. Doc Ondor goes to Jabba's hut's palace and collects Kiati Mundi's lightsaber, and I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? I'm just like, like clearly there was a comic. That where that happens, or it's just on the wall in in the park. I don't know. Is that what it is? And they they just need to like, do a little like plaque under it, like the historical thing. It's like three BBY Doc Ondor went to Jabba the Hutt's palace to collect Kiati Mundi's lightsaber. The park tie and stuff is really weird because like you know how they have that they have the little sarlacc like in a jar there, and like yeah. the first mm-hmm. like Maybe the so. first Galaxy's Edge comic is like Han Solo like delivering the sarlacc to Doc Ondor. It's like oh okay that makes sense. Let's let's explain like literally every our, our <laughs> member Barry in this park in comic book form because like that makes for a compelling narrative and also you can there's like 40 product placements of like food and drink things that you can get in galaxy's edge like within the comic it's like the most vapid horrible thing ever but uh what speak speaking of galaxy's edge i have to ask is some again as somebody who's been to galaxy's edge only once navarro is looking really really like batu like shockingly like batu to the point where i'm just like is is this the plan to turn Batu into Navarro? They're at some both point? just higher budget Tatooines. Like that's. <laughs> I, I yes, I get that. But okay, let, let's put our uh, uh, capital capitalist like mentality, capitalism. Being able to do Navarro, where you can go visit like Boba Fett's uh, <laughs> visit, not Boba Fett's cabin on Navarro would make them a lot of money. And you can drink at the former school where the pirates tried blowing it up. We should mention the pirates came back and they did actually turn the school into a bar again. <laughs> like, like they did it. Like they succeeded. They turned a school into a bar. How soon do you think that Galaxy's Edge is going to have Din Djarin's homestead with him out there as an animatronic sipping on Galaxy Lemonade with Grogu and the string on the frog going up and down on a pond? How long? That's what I mean. It's it's inevitable. Was that iconic? It doesn't matter as long as they can sell like no, but think think about this though. Like you have to think about how Disney does things. Like go back, you know, I'm gonna really kind of like go into my Disney history, like the Norway pavilion at Epcot. 
they turned that before they made it into a frozen ride. Like they took a portion of it and they made it into like Elsa and Anna meet and greet. And it became like the like the longest line ever in the park's history. Like something like seven, eight hours just to meet actors in like a wig and a dress. Think about it. They, they, they always do this. They pick an area and it becomes like the official meet and greet. Like what they've been doing with like Boba Fett, uh, Fennec Shand, Mandalorian, them walking around the park. It's not really a thing. Like characters like walking around is a thing, but they always like having them have like a home location. Like even like with Kylo Ren in Galaxy's Edge with his um oh god, Trevorrow episode 9 like tie fighter. I could see and this is the thing I've been saying about Galaxy's Edge ever since I went there. Between Star Tours and Batu, you have the Muppets area and it's so freaking out of place cuz it's a relic of a bygone era of that park. That's going to be demolished at some point. And like I was saying, it would be really easy to put Navarro there. And like Joe said, you build Bo- – god damn it. You build Din Djarin's cabin and you have a little cute little pond and you go in there and there's a little big whiskey that sits there like bobs up and down as it make it makes the, the frog sit there dance. I don't know. Like it, it seems like that's what they would do. And Navarro is just enough of like a weird transition thing. You could say like, oh, Star – again, Chris, you know your geography of like the Star Tours. Like, oh, Star Tours brought you to Navarro because they did say they're going to be implementing Mandalorian stuff into Star Tours. And can't you imagine that would sit there be its thing like, oh, we're bringing you to Navarro. There's Mandalorian in his M1 Starfighter. I don't know. And they think about it. They could have a one-to-one of that sitting there, of the M1. Like, they wouldn't have to do much. Yeah, well, they'd, they'd have to do way more than changing a Millennium Falcon radar dish. So that's why I definitively think it won't happen. No, no, no. What I'm trying to say, though, is that I don't think they would change the Millennium Falcon well, I think I'm revising my theory in, in real time. They take out the Muppets area and they make that into Navarro. And what they do is you have Boba Fett. God, why do I keep saying that? Like the Freudian slips. Because those planets are not two different planets, Zach. They're just Joe, Joe Disney era Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Most, most Espa is Joe Disney like Tatooine. Can you imagine how infuriating that would be to like everybody who was like, oh, why didn't they just make Galaxy's Edge Tatooine? Or like, I would have settled for Naboo over made up boring planet. Like, can you imagine? It's like, okay, so over here we got we got uh, Batu, and over here we got Navarro. What's the difference? Basically nothing. But Star Tours is Endor. Yeah, but they're not visually distinct as planets. They're the same planet. It doesn't matter. Think about it. They could sit there. Think about it. the big thing with Disney is that they don't. If you look at their survey ratings for things, the rides don't typically get high survey ratings because people are mad because they wait online for hours and it's like a mediocre experience relative to what they had to wait for it. What gets the best ratings are the meet and greets because like people are just thrilled to be like, oh my god, I can take my picture with as Chris once put it, a weekend warrior dressed up as like a character, and. That's the thing. You take Muppets out, you make it Navarro, you have his little cabin there, and you have like – much like they have a one-to-one of Poe Dameron's black X-Wing, you have a one-to-one of the M1 Starfighter. It's way easier to just move out the sequel trilogy A-Wing and put Mandalorian Starfighter in that spot. That's way easier. That A-Wing does not take up a lot of real estate. If they properly do the M1, it would not fit. It'll The tail will be hanging off the back, but that doesn't matter. 
But but this but but keep in mind the rise of the resistance is like like I, I'm gonna go back to the book. We gotta figure out when the oh my god Black Spire outpost is a thing. Like that's gonna be like thirty three thirty four bb uh three thirty four aby. That's gonna okay. So you're gonna have to you know don't do it on the call, but you're gonna have to go and look at when the narrative <laughs> the narrative content. I'll do it. The narrative content of. Uh, rise of the resistance takes place and how they <laughs> it's probably in there and it's ca- i didn't even think to look at that because that's canon okay discuss amongst yourself i have a case i'm gonna, okay just keep discussing i gotta look into this because this has driven me nuts for years yeah that time where ray also fought Kai- kaibo ran for the third or fourth time but he didn't have the right helmet but also they were on a cruise ship haha <laughs> Yeah, that's I don't know. So, Joe, uh, what you know, I, while Zach's doing that, you know, I don't know if you participate in the games. Are you going to get uh, Fallen Order two? Uh, I haven't played a game since Squadrons. That's not that long ago. So, I'm yeah. pretty sure Fallen Order came out before that. Yeah, I haven't gotten Fallen Order yet. Okay, so so you're not that invested. I mean, it. It's one of those things where, like, I feel like if you're, like, if the story gets, like, positively reviewed, like, worst case, if you play it on, like, the easiest mode that pretty much just, like, lets you, like, plow through the game and, like, you can experience the story, that's it's probably almost worth the price of admission if it ends up being favorably reviewed, you know? Because, like, I played it on the hardest difficulty, and it's just needless torture sometimes. Like, you replay the same sections, like, a hundred times just to say you can you beat it on the hardest difficulty when you know nobody cares at all and at the end of the day if the story is like better than mandalorian season three you might as well just play it on story mode and and get through it in like two hours that's the thing is the game the first one actually looked more in line with forces unleashed yeah but it's the same basic basic thing it, it's pretty much the same thing which is interesting because i you know i remember thinking um because like in the early 2000s there was like 12 star wars games like on xbox the original xbox and then i remember by the time force unleashed one and two came out i was like is this the only two games we're getting for like this chunk of like seven years that's annoying and you know that has persisted where fallen order and fallen order 2 are the only two games we're getting for like seven years as well it's just interesting that that seems to be the prototypical model they're comfortable with making single player games a a uh, platforming third person jedi adventure it's in here it's actually in here and it's kind of insane like how they break it down okay okay not to interrupt not to break in like i could see i can see I can see if they start making a game almost similar to Grand Theft Auto where you have the Mandalorian. That would be an awesome game where you sit there, have side quests, and you, you sit there and you you know you, you beat up a death stick dealer and you rob his money and stuff like that. Yeah, you'll never get that because they don't want people making clips of the Mandalorian just like lighting up a bunch of civilians on the street. <laughs> you know, you'll never still, have that, that sort of... That would be a good thing. It would that that would draw people to it though. You know, it's it's an open world where you sit there and you get little missions, you get little bounties, you do it. Either dead or alive, you're coming with me. You know, do it. They used to let you have a little more freedom in Star Wars games. Like the old Jedi Knight games, like you killed civilians, it actually like pushed you towards the dark side, like and it affected the ending you got of the game. But Oh yeah. Like old school 
old school Star Wars Galaxies, man. That thing was amazing. If someone pissed you off in the game, you could sit there and throw a bounty on them. Yeah. And I mean, even in Knights of the Old Republic, you can do some reprehensible things. Like, you know, like you'll find some kids like throwing rocks at an alien or something. And you can like just like either like tell the kids to run away or you can just like electrocute the alien. Like they just make you they offer you some very weird choices that if you if you sort of analyzed everything someone did throughout the game, you could probably say something definitive about their psychological state by the end of it. If it <laughs> there's probably enough morality plays in there that you could you could learn about a person. Zach, it can't be more than a paragraph. It's multiple small paragraphs, but like the timeline of it's all 34 ABY. So like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. But like how they have beat by beat happening, it 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 almost is like mind melting. Cause like it doesn't like I would almost have to do like a Charlie Day cork board with the red yarn to like make sense of all this. I would I would I would pay to see that. I might have to. Like, this is like dry erase board level, Joe. Like, don't be surprised at work one day if I if I erase your dry erase board and I start doing this. Like, you want something for Patreon? That's it, right there. That's it. We set up a camera and you get like a cork board and we get you some red string. We get some post-it notes and some yarn. Serious, man. You do that and we'll get like tape and caution tape and everything like that. And you get all crazy. You wear suspenders with a bow tie and you just go nuts. You just go absolutely nuts. I will do that. <laughs> I will get you all of the supplies you need. If you is that the incentive guarantee. to finally start the Patreon, Chris? Is that that is it right there? All right, I will sit there and I will I will film it for you. Oh my god! Because like I I not to blow the wad too early, but like I don't know. Like all of it's here, but it almost doesn't make sense. Because you know what the best part is too is that like it's not just the the rise of the resistance it's also the halcyon and like that weirdly is like like it's almost as if like when ray isn't like fighting kylo ren on the halcyon like her little like it like i don't know like it and there's no explanation as to why she has an outfit on that she couldn't wears kylo ren's helmet during all this like because i technically i wonder i wonder i wonder Oh man! Because I could, could an argument be? It can't be. I gotta sit there. Oh my god! That's hilarious. That would be great streaming right there. I'm sorry. Can you believe how how like it's? I I kind of like to see that how 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 seriously Zach takes the sequel trilogy like timeline. I like the sequel trilogy, man. You can keep the Force Awakens, <laughs> but it's almost like the, the sequel trilogy. I look at the sequel trilogy like a bed. The Force Awakens is like the um. The fitted sheet, like it doesn't do anything for me. Like it's fine. Like I need it for me to put like sheets on it, but like that's fine. The sheet, the the last Jedi is like a really nice like Egyptian. Was it like the certain fabric that's like like a thousand nit count? I'm like this is nice. And the Rise of Skywalker is like an Attack of the Clones comforter from 2002. We're like, oh, this is goofy and it's very immature, but I love it because. It, it, it's weird. It's odd, and that's what it is. Like that is the sequel trilogy to me. So it's like that. It's like that. Uh, that drawing of the horse where like it starts out crappy and gets good, but in this case, it starts out crappy. Just the middle is good, and then it gets goofy again. It's not. Cra- I will say, like the Force Awakens. I still don't like the Force Awakens. Like I, I was thinking about it a couple of days ago. Like the first time I ever saw the Force Awakens, and I mentally checked out when like Kylo Ren's like waving his like hand from a race face strapped to the chair, and I'm like, I still, I, I still remember that moment in 2015 being so checked out. And yeah, I'm 
like, God damn it. That's the entire foundation to Raylo. And I'm like, I can't forsake the moment, even though I don't like it. And The Last Jedi is great because we get the closest we'll ever get to a sex scene in Star Wars with uh, finger touching, fingertip touching loving. Um, then you get The Rise of Skywalker. And I should say, there is a production still in here of Kylo Ren meeting Palpy on the, uh, oh God, what's it called from uh, Assassin's Creed? The Animus? Sure. I don't. I never played. I never played that. Sure. Somebody at home, somewhere, somewhere, Zenger is just like perked up, and he's like, "Zach made a video game faux pas." It, there's a picture of it, like I've never seen before. It reminds me of that time on my like daily, like day of the week or day of the year calendar, where there's like a picture of Zori Bliss, and I'm just like, "This wasn't in the movie. I've never seen this. Why is there a production still exclusive to like a calendar? Like it, it it's so inexplicable." I'm trying to figure out now if I can break. I got to see if there's a specific time where it mentions Kylo Ren breaking his helmet. So I can sit there, like, like send this to Pablo Hidalgo to explain <laughs> this to me. <laughs> he'll be, and, and you know, that he'll do the same thing he did when, uh, when, when uh, Yoda's lightsaber reappeared after it got melted, he'll be like, shut up nerds. No, that was Charles soul. That was Charles soul who said, shut up nerds. All right. Well, he did, he did the, uh, Oh God, the itchy and scratchy and poochy thing where like the nerds explaining the continuity error and Homer's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> oh my God. This this page from The Last Jedi is called Dyad United. I like the idea of using sequel trilogy or uh, Rise of Skywalker terms when they weren't applicable yet. Wow. Ooh, I like that. I gotta find the helmet. There needs to be a certain line item about the helmet. Yeah, no, I don't. They're just, it's going to be real simple. Kylo Ren has got a bunch of helmets. One time he decided to fix one rather than getting a new one out of the closet. But he left the, he left the helmet in the elevator. And that, that ship was like started, what, uh, the light speed sliced in half. You know, you know why, you know when I stopped caring about that? When I saw a <laughs> diagram of how much bigger Snoke's dreadnought is supposed to be than a super star destroyer. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's bigger than the Death Star, basically. It's like, could you guys just chill? It's like when Han Solo's oh, like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> found it. All right. Found, all right, there is a specific... Li- We're cutting you off soon. No, no. There, I did find it. This book has everything. There is one sentence that says, Kylo Ren destroys his mask in a fit of rage. You know what that is? That's, that's more interesting. It's the aerodynamic... It's the airfield around a cow. That's an air, a cow in a wind tunnel. All right. That's what I equate the sequel trilogy Aww. to. It's a cow in a wind Aww. tunnel. All right. Aww. And if you look up cow in a wind tunnel, you'll be amazed at the aerodynamics of a cow. All right. That's basically what the sequel trilogy is. All right. Yes, it's a cow. It's found in nature, but no one really cares about the aerodynamics <laughs> of a cow. Thank you to my daughter who sent that text to me one day. It actually lit up my life. She understands me. Wow. She goes, I care about the aerodynamics of a space cow. (laughs) It's a terrestrial cow. It's not even a space cow. Yeah. I'm pretty sure a shack is not very aerodynamic. It's true. But, oh my God. Sequel trilogy, sequel trilogy, sequel trilogy. Marsha, Marsha, (laughs) Marsha. You saw how, yeah, I mean, you saw how Mandalorian season three played out. So, I don't know, Joe, you were, have you ever gone to, like, maybe we can talk about something more interesting than the sequel trilogy. I feel personally attacked. 
<laughs> have you ever gone to one of these like preposterous giant toy shows like the one I just went to in Chicago where it's like a fairgrounds and there's like five giant barns like full of vendors? No. It's crazy. You never went to one of those? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Apparently this Chicago one is like pretty much the biggest one in the country. And uh, it was pretty wild. Like there was one guy who like Zach would have lost it at this guy's booth. Like I'll have to post a video in the group. But like he had like every three and three quarter vehicle like ever sealed in box including the geonosis arena like he just he just had everything in the box in this corner like from like from like 97 until like last weekend did they he have the republic gunship like the last one that was like the super duper one that like has like the actual like oh the the vintage collection one the attack of the clones one mm-hmm. the one where you can actually put a clone trooper in the little like orb like he had that too yeah he had that and not only that but he had the there was like there was like battle packs that came with the orbs separately that you could put on yeah. any gunship and he had those too like it was crazy nice. sounds like he was a former kiwi toys employee for like for a full career of like 35 years yes like it is such it was just everything the one thing i went i really the one thing i really wanted to find there that i didn't was um i failed to to order the uh disney droid factory uh b2 emo online and and that's the only three and three quarter version of that you're ever going to get and it's pretty much sold out from disney and i thought there'd be one person in the biggest toy show in america that would have it but no there wasn't tragic you would but, think you know, someone I would did... try to bleed bleed someone for that Especially yeah well i did yeah because it was 13 dollars retail and i think it averages like 40 bucks now on ebay which is just criminal but still cheaper than the black series one yeah <laughs> somehow yeah i don't know but uh but you know i got i but i did my big star wars pickup there was something i teased zach with with a, a rebel transport that was loose for for 50 bucks you did, and it had like all the stickers. It was real nice, and uh, Zach was th- Zach was thinking about it, but you know he's he's in a he's in a he's peeling off the ships he doesn't need. Maybe right now I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> I should say that for like the listeners at home, like I've never felt so barren in my room before in my life. Like I did put up our Lord and Savior, the Rise of Skywalker poster, um, but I think what he means is that he's never felt so safe in his room before. That is true. That is true. But I will say that, like, I, I all this time I was afraid, like, what was going to happen when all the ships came down? Like, were, like, how many boxes will I need? They all fit into, like, three boxes. Like, all of them. I will say that the uh, six-inch First Order TIE Fighter, I don't know what to do with that because one of the wings won't come off. So I have to like really strategically, uh, even when I put that thing together, I, I remember reading that like it was impossible to get the wings off once you put them on. And my precautions worked on one wing, but not the other. So I don't know how I'm going to make that one work. Yeah. Um, but no, no. Uh, oh God. I guess the thing about the ships is that like, oh God, what was the, what was the last good ship we got outside of the Razor Crest? Three and three quarter in the sail barge. Well, two. the uh, the there's the uh, the Rogue One hover tank's cool. The Rebel transport from Mandalorian is cool. They're smaller, but there's a couple tanks. Oh, uh, those are like the, that's pretty much it for like new designs that aren't reissues. You got those two, and uh, that's pretty much it. You got the the bunkers new, but that's not a ship. Bunkers cool. Yeah, yeah. hundred dollars Canadian for that here. I'm good. 
I don't need that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. They they don't do a whole lot of newly designed ships. I did get a pretty good look at the the new N1 at Celebration because they had a couple of them on display on a, in a cabinet where you could get right up to it. And I mean, it looks okay. The paint job doesn't look as good as some of the stuff they did earlier when they relaunched the vintage collection, but it's not that big, really. I I, I should say I pre-ordered one of those. Like I am. I'm excited for that. Like, I hope it has the interchangeable like R five like spot. I know there's it does. He's there's a picture of R five in it on the box. So it the, basically there's the R five coming out that you'll be able to pop the head off and just put on there. Okay, you can't put them inside it. Like they made like you know the the 2011 N one. You could actually put R two unit physically in it. Oh. This you're just be able to pop the head on top. Are I you think. sure? Because like I know even with the. The uh, candy corn colored Podammer in X-Wing, you can put like both BB-8 and R2 into there. And there's like different little things you put on top of it to make it like more yeah, but, but aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, but the form factor of the N1 is such that R2 unit can could not actually fit in it. Oh. It makes actually no sense. In fact, there's even a the cross sections book from back in 99 showed that when an R2 unit goes in an N1, it actually removes his head and puts his head up top. And the body of him stays lower in the ship. Really? The, that's a cross sections book. Interesting. I never knew but that. But yeah, <laughs> I never knew that. That's uh, that's fascinating. The more you know. Yeah, but in in the 2011 version, he just sits in sideways, so his legs aren't too far on the sides because for the mm. ship. But uh, yeah, so you know that's kind of exciting, and it's probably a good time to mention that um, that uh, you know the rumors have been going around out there, but I'm gonna. I'm going to personally guarantee that the next HasLab is going to be the the ghost. And uh, hopefully that gets announced like two days after we post this episode. If any of you are still there listening after Zach was reading the Timelines book sequel trilogy stuff for like half an hour. Oh, I'm, I'm happy. Am I the only person that likes the sequel trilogy? <laughs> Am I the only person... There was stuff. There's stuff in the book about Resistance right next to the Halcyon. They talk about Resistance and I'm like... I remember Resistance. This is a thing that existed for two years. You know what's weird? The place where I see the most sequel trilogy support online is the fa- a Facebook group called Star Wars Memes. And I think it's because the anti-sequel trilogy memes in there are just so savage that people who just like it a little bit always post these things where they're like, guess what? Ray's still canon. It's not going to change anytime soon. I'm leaving this group because you guys are all toxic. And I see a bunch <laughs> of those. So, like, that's where I see all the sequel trilogy support, the Star Wars memes on Facebook, which is a pretty savage group. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Of course, that gets the audible laugh at it, Joe. (laughs) Yeah, you just see little people just running away because their feelings are hurt so much. They can't handle the memes. Yeah. So, is there anything? Okay, so I guess we should talk about the movie announcements. What what are our odds that these acts any of these come to fruition? I know Chris, you believe that Mandoverse will is going to happen, but Joe, what what do you think? What what are, what are our betting odds on getting any Star Wars movie for the rest of this decade? Rest of this decade, yeah. Uh, I think they're from what I've seen online. Marvel is tapping out. I think that after this run of movies, that Marvel is going to be basically if if Deadpool and the X Men don't save it, then it's basically going to it's going to teeter out and you're going to go basically back to Star Wars where it's going to be hot and heavy because that's the only other thing that's going to do it. Ant-Man and the Wasp didn't do that hot 
in the theaters. You have things that are going on with Jonathan Majors, which is supposed to be the overarching big baddie. So it's it's on a decline right now. Comic book movies, anyway, is getting it's like a bad taste in people's mouth. But Disney has Star Wars and always lean back on. But they'd have to do it in a different way where it's it's more appealing to a broader section. You know, it's they're going to have to do more episodic like you, you did in the original trilogy and not not one of these catch-alls. But you'll see that happen after the Mandoverse movie. I don't think you're going to see anything before the Mandoverse movie. I would say probably five years from now that's going to be coming out. They're going to try and milk it for what it's all what it what it's worth. I like I said, apparently the rumor mill is that the Ray movie is the one they want for the end of 2025. I think that's too soon. That's what I mean. I don't know how you do ep- the not episode 10 six years after that. Like that that seems like again you, you gotta give Ray time to kind of. Uh, rejuvenate like we'll see that character again haven't you heard that it takes place 15 years after the rise of skywalker i don't know what the source on that is but i see it all over the place but even still like the only time again i could see episode the whatever the hell they're gonna call this coming out like in 2029 like 10 years much like they did with revenge of the sith and the force awakens 10 years later i could see them doing something like that but i again i think six years later and to go right, you left off with Ray. You go right back to Ray. I get I it. Think, like she yeah. was the headline of a oh god, th- what four point billion dollar sequel trilogy. I get it makes financial sense. It's the Bob Iger thing of like oh we're gonna do Toy Story five, Frozen three, uh, Zootopia two. Like I get it. It's going back to the well. But I I don't think that works. It'll make money, but it's gonna be like Rise of Skywalker money, not Force Awakens money. The only way that something like that would work, even in a concept like that, is if she was the only carryover character and it went to another generation of people to tell a story for it. It's too early for that, though. That's the thing, man. She's going to be the main character. She's going to be the main character, and that's that's gonna you're going to have some of the people that that were in Rise of Skywalker and, and that trilogy. You're going to have them carry over to it, and that's going to just crush it. It's too soon. Yeah, well, if John Boyega makes an appearance, he's officially lost all of his cred because he just talks so much crap. And he's just like, yeah, they're never going to Disney plus me. Yeah. It's not going to happen, dudes. It's like, all right, we'll see what we'll see what we'll see what happens when the when the offer comes in. And the reason why they're not going to Disney plus him is because who wants to see him? <laughs> yeah, well, they didn't. Yeah, that's the thing, man. You can't believe that. There's not Finn didn't even get one action figure for Rise of Skywalker in any scale. He did the Galaxy of Heroes one, like the five, weird five-inch cartoon ones. That doesn't count. It's, it is an action figure, Chris. It's not a good action figure, but it's still an action figure nonetheless. No, they have to tell they have to they have to stop with the go going into the well with that. They got to tell an original story. Yeah, it's it's time that they do it. They got to retool. They got to do something else. So that's why the one of the one of the movie announcements that I saw that was was pretty good if they start going in if they start diving into the well of the hyperspace war i think that's that's their next key not many people know about that and then you could sit there and turn it on a dime you could sit there and put a bunch of unknowns in it your your price per movie for actors is not going to be that high you have a couple big names and supporting roles and then you'd be able to kill it with that 
And then you could set up a whole bunch of different Disney Plus shows based off of that, based off the movies, and then have an overarching one. I think that that's going to be a gold mine for them. Because if you do the hyperspace wars, that would be killer right there. And that would go right into the the forming of the Jedi Order. How they were, you know, the, the old Skywalkers were the people that would be able to use the Force and, and find the hyperspace lanes. And all that crazy stuff but is it but that's that's the weird thing though about star wars though is that like is the fan base willing to accept i'm by fan base i mean the people who are the most vocal again your 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 oh god not your professional fans but I, at this point i don't even know what that means anymore but are they going to allow for something that's not x-wings and tie fighters you gotta you gotta be tony gilroy in this man you got to be Tony Gilroy. You got to be like, you know what? This is this is my story. I'm telling it the way I am, and this is be damned with all of you. Either you like it, or you don't. I'm sitting here and going to tell you a good story. I'm not going to sit there and and placate to people. And you know that's why Andor was such a fascinating show because he he had a story in his mind. They wanted five seasons of it. He was like, I'll do two, and he condensed the story, and boom, there you go. Here it is, right here. You don't need anything else. Yeah, you don't got room for Lizzo episodes in two seasons. Man. Exactly. Why Why give yourself that? Because if you expand it like that, then all you're going to do is you're going to get higher up interference in it. And that's bad right now. That's one of the things that stopped. Well, not only that in the time period that it was made, but the original trilogy. I, I hate to keep saying, like, not my trilogy, but it's, it's true. You have – when Lucas had control of it, he didn't have any higher up saying, we want more of this and we want more of that and we want more of this and we're going to have reshoots for this and we're going to have – they didn't have that. He had to stay within budget and he was the main man and that's where it needs to come to right now. There's too many people with too much input. They don't know what the source content is and they need to just go back to its roots. I would be very surprised if Disney keeps Star Wars. Now that's now that's an audacious uh, claim right there. Watch, I, I guarantee you, within the next five to seven years, Elon Musk will pick it up. <laughs> Elon Musk buys Star Wars after Twitter. <laughs> Think about it, and those movies will probably be kick-ass. If if someone else, if someone else that has a boatload of money wants, says, "Hey, I'll give you four billion dollars for." for Star Wars and Disney's like, yep, we'll do it. We'll take it. I mean, like, I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but like, I think the, I, I really sort of am into the idea of this, this not episode 10, because like, it won't be, it shouldn't be anything quite like the sequel trilogy. And also it doesn't have this, it doesn't have a sort of a looming narrative that it has to sync up with. Like it pains me when they pepper in these sequel trilogy things to the Mandalorian. Cause it's like, Oh my God, it's like 25 years off. You just don't know when you'll have another chance to pepper in these little Easter eggs. So you're just doing it now. And it's like, it's really not pertinent to the story whatsoever. And the, the, the idea that Mandalorian is directly involved in like all these things setting up the first order, like I, it, it's just, you know, it's so tangential that you, like it, it just doesn't seem to fit within the, in his sort of story. Cause he's literally just like Joe Mandalorian. And it turns out he was like integrally involved in events that are related to the Skywalker saga and all that. It's just like, I, it, it seems like they're bending over backwards to sync it up 
in 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 my opinion and maybe that sort of stuff belongs more in the ahsoka show just because she's like uh, sort of part of the like primary narrative if there were if you were gonna call it that but uh you know i like this episode 10 because i don't you have just no idea where it's going you know what i mean like it could like literally anything could happen and that is that is increasingly rare in star wars <laughs> you know i like i like the idea of pushing the end of the timeline forward and i if if like i wouldn't be mad if that's the only content we got honestly if it just carried on moving in that direction just because like the, like i'm i literally feel pain in the ahsoka trailer when i hear that droid and ahsoka be like yeah maybe we should start up the jedi order again oh yeah we all saw how that turned out clearly they didn't even have two sticks rubbing together by the time Ray started using the force, whatever happens, it blows up in their faces and Ahsoka might even get killed in that situation. Cause she's sort of a force ghost by the end of totally canon rise of Skywalker. So like, it's really just like, it, it pains me when you see these competent characters trying to start up the Jedi order and you know that it doesn't work out. So it's like, how long are we going to spin this tire that we know where it ends? Well, what they're doing is instead of, fixing a loose end all they're doing is creating more of them because in the original trilogy no one knew who ahsoka was in the sequel trilogy no one knew who din Djarin was he wasn't mentioned he wasn't this he wasn't that how in in how how important was he and how can he be in all these events if he's not even in it you know it's that's why when it was originally built the mandalorian okay it's a western in space he's going to sit there and he's going to do this okay you know what it, it's set in the star wars universe has nothing to do with main characters, but what, guess what? They had to bring out Luke Skywalker in season two. They had to sync up that. They had to put a Baby Yoda in it. Why? Because it was, you know what? Yeah, it was cool. Baby Yoda was in it. But now, where is he in the sequel trilogy? Yeah, well, get ready because it's gonna episode ten is gonna be Ray and Baby Yoda <laughs> as a buddy cop film. What is it gonna do? They're gonna do the special editions of of uh, Force Awakens and the Last Jedi, and and what are they gonna do? Redub whoever voices Grogu's voice into uh, the Last Skywalker. That's what they're gonna do. <laughs> Din Djarin, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna get to. Uh... You can be episode start episode ten. Din Djarin's gonna be like seventy years old, and he's you know more than that, like a hundred by then. He's gonna be like just about to kick the bucket. Baby Yoda is gonna be like the human equivalent of a five year old. Like he'll be talking, he'll be awkward looking as hell, and you know he's gonna sort of he's gonna he's Din is sort of gonna pa- pass away, and Baby Yoda is gonna be Ray Skywalker's new little buddy for the start of the Jedi Order. That's what's gonna happen. <sighs> That's all I can say. That's all I can say. <sighs> Zach, I was weird. Just I was just telling Joe how Baby Yoda is going to be Ray's new Padawan. Oh, hundred percent. That's going to be their. And that's going to be their marketing angle. It's going to be the first time he talks. And it's like, do you want to be there for the big reveal of Big Whiskey's voice? It's going to be a recorded. It's going to be recorded. Gilbert Godfrey. Respeatured Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah even worse. Ultron Gilbert Godfrey. In the grave. There we go. <laughs> Can you believe Ray? <laughs> that was not bad. Yeah, I don't know. Um, like I said, I'm more I'm more excited for that episode ten. I don't know what else we, we got to cover here. Um, you guys, like <laughs> honestly, there was like I just there's just been so much that's happened since we last recorded. Like everything has happened and nothing has happened. 
Exactly. Well, it's all, but it's all ancillary stuff that's happened. Like, like, you know, like, can you believe Zach, the audacity of these guys, they, these Hasbro guys, they have Jabba's palace with Jabba on display at celebration. I ordered it before the Anaheim celebration where they also had it on display. They still haven't shipped it yet. This is criminal activity at this point. And they have, they have it set up with Jabba, which you can't buy a Jabba. And they have a bunch of characters in there that you also can't buy. The job is coming out soon. Like in like Black Series. It's a Black Series? Yeah, the the one with Salacious Crumb and like part of his throne. Yeah. Really? And, and by the way, it's the exact part of the throne that you'd need for your Boba Fett's throne room to finish off yeah. Java. But no, that is a Black Series product. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. What's wrong with these people, right? That's crazy. But um I think they'll do it. I think they'll do it because like they're, you know, they, you got to be able to sell more stuff to, to set up your job as throne room. But yeah, they had that looking beautiful with a bunch of random figures that uh, you can't buy anymore. They even had a vintage 88 from 1983 in this job display <laughs> at, at a celebration. And I, I feel like there's probably at least one newer 88 you could get from like power 90s power of the forest so but you know they don't they don't know their stuff man they're only hasbro and they only made that 88 that they didn't have but uh it looked cool though i mean i'm excited for that i gotta pick up one of those uh tauntaun and uh gerba han carbonite walls because i never got one of those because i thought they would they would never build any more of jabba's palace out so i gotta find one of those now after you find b2 emo yeah, well, they had. I mean, they had some at uh, at they of course a bunch of people had that Han Carbonite set at the Chicago Toy Show, but they were wanting like it was like sealed with the two carded figures, and they were wanting like seventy dollars for it. And it's like, didn't that like retail for like forty? Yeah, I mean, it's I don't yeah, and there's a ton of them out there. I don't even care if it has the re reuse in there or not. I'll find a different re reuse. You know, they're a dime a dozen. I just need the wall. <laughs> finished and, you know, the, and, and the funniest thing about it is like the wall texture is like different than the the throne room that's coming out it's like you guys had one job to like sync up the two walls on this job of palace but you know you use different plastics but whatever it's still cool see and that's the one thing i don't get you know being working where i did years and years and years ago it was always flooded with that stuff flooded like we had bins and bins and bins and bins of that stuff. And now they're not even doing anything with it that there is, there's hardly any figures. There's no action going anywhere. They're pre-ordering figures and they're not even. Dude, I went to Toys R Us like two days ago. And like, first of all, they were playing the music from the end of aliens where the, like the, the place goes nuclear. They were playing that at Toys R Us, which is freaking awesome. And, <laughs> and there was, uh, they had, you know, they had the bunker, they had the new ATST reissue. They had a bunch of new figures. It was awesome. But stateside, we have nothing like that here. Nothing. Toys, <laughs> they, Toys R Us is even, they're starting to get in that like Kenner colors, Boba Fett repaint. If you're into that sort of self torture, <laughs> But Man, it, wanna... it's it's getting to the point where you can't even buy it on the street like that. You got to go online. You got to go on eBay. You got to do these stupid pre-orders in order to get something like that. Oh man! And the other, I don't know if you're Zach. I don't know if you started getting any of those. Um, the like micro galaxy squadron ships. That's probably too much. Nah. Too much of a new rabbit hole for you. It's a, you're like you already have fifty ships for three and three quarter. You can't start doing that. Exactly. Three and three quarter bus, man. Like I will say, but like going to Joe's point about buying this stuff. Like, because Joe and I have been talking about like the Flash a lot lately. 
like I'm, I, it was hard. It's like almost impossible unless you go to the eBay route right now to get the McFarlane multiverse Keaton Batman from from the Flash. But Joe, you know who's carrying a lot of this stuff? Like in real life, the Macy's Toys R Us section. Really, I keep seeing on social media all these pictures of like people finding like the 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 Keaton Batmobile from the Flash. All these figures at the Macy's, like Toys R Us, like area. And that's what it is. Like that is that the Batmobile that like Amazon canceled on everybody and people are mad about it? Most likely. I don't know that specific okay. circumstance, but if I had to guess, I'd say yes. But that's what I mean. Like Joe's got a point. Like good old in uh, America, like if you want toys, like even today I went to Target and like they literally had like three of like the retro Return of the Jedi Luke's. A Wicket on a Black Series Wicket, a Black Series Han from uh, Return of the Jedi, and that was kind of it. And like a Bo Katan helmet, like that is the extent of your Star Wars toy selection. And like to buy something off the shelf. That that Black Series Wicket is cool, but it doesn't have f- foot holes, which it should be illegal. <laughs> oh, they did have the uh, Vintage Collection uh, Dark Trooper for like twenty eight dollars. And what's the other thing about that too? I'm sitting there looking at these these damn toys nowadays. I, I went into to thinking it was like twenty eight dollars for a friggin' three and three quarters or even a six inch action figure. Good lord, yeah. dude! The sealed the sealed Geonosis Arena was one hundred and fifty bucks. Really? I only, I only didn't buy it because of like car space. I would <laughs> bought it simply for the box. It could have been the box for a hundred dollars. I've been like. It's tempting. I didn't even. Man. I never when that. I never even saw that when that came out. Like I had some of those figures. I never had no idea that was ever made. Like till like ten years later. I can still remember the day. My I can still remember the day I got that. It was such a cool occasion because like it was like again playsets were everything back in the day because like it, you brought the adventure home with you. I still have my Dagobah playset. <gasps> Is the spongy piece still good, Joe? No. It <laughs> oh my god. Aren't you fell in that swamp a lot? Dude, those vintage sponges, man. They, there was some in the Death Star like garbage compactor and then there was like this their dumbest thing which I if you look on the Knights of Vader uh, Instagram, I posted some clips from the Chicago Toy Show. One of the funniest like vintage like uh Kenner things is like there's like this Chewbacca bandolier that kids could wear and like clip their figures into it and be like a giant dork. And there's like a picture of this like little like ginger kid like smiling wearing it on the box. And it's like super funny. I I posted it on the Instagram. And like that thing, uh, like I have one of those where the foam has like become like radioactive. Like it's just like it's like it looks like venom. It's like it's sludging out of there. And like I put it in like a plastic bag inside the box so it doesn't like ruin the box but like that stuff's just decaying at an alarming rate and we should really probably just hose it off of like all of our collectibles so it doesn't ruin them but you know that's how crazy like like star wars collectors will get mad at you if you try and resell something that you like hose off the foam like they're elitist man what is it i I, I sold on ebay one time a, a medical tricorder from the next generation brand new in a box and the tagline was never opened. And the guy, guy, guy messaged me, you know, the battery was leaking in the box. I was like, yeah, because it said never opened. <laughs> you weren't supposed to open it. Guy. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, come on. <laughs> when it says never opened. You opened sealed. sealed Star Trek merchandise. How, how could you do that? <laughs> I was like, get new oh batteries God. then. File the damn thing. You're good. 
that's what happens. That's why, that's why you should not include batteries. You know, I came with it. I, it was, <laughs> I bought it on clearance yeah. for $4. I sold it for 150 and the guy bought it. Okay. It's sealed. Yeah. I, I wish I had more. Like I'm trying to think of silly stuff that happened at celebration. That would amuse you guys. Like Chris made a probe droid. Yeah, that's oh you know, yeah. Look, this some guy built like a beautiful probe droid that they were like driving around on a platform, and like that that a uh, little clip on our Instagram has done really well. Oddly, it still gets like ten likes a day at the, and I posted it like a couple weeks ago at this point. All the sort of vintage collectors always do this thing they call like room sales or lobby sales at like the main hotel they're at, and like you know that, that basically like all these old vintage collectors like 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 jump upon this unsuspecting hotel and like start selling stuff in the hallways literally like just piling stuff out there and like i was sitting beside this like very inebriated man who had a graded vlix and if you don't know what vlix is vlix is the very last vintage star wars figure that was gonna come out but didn't and only got released in brazil And he's a, he's a he's a henchman from the droids cartoon, and he looks very stupid. But he is the most desirable Star Wars figure because he never actually got released. And this guy had a graded Kenner Vlix, which is like a prototype for the U.S. release, which never came out. And uh, he was sitting there, and he said, "I earlier tonight I turned down a thirty thousand U.S. offer on this." I'm looking for 50 and he had a couple people come by and like haggle with him a little bit, but it's just like, you know, like this guy was really drunk. He had this graded figure just sitting on this hotel table, like 50 people all around picking it up, scratching up the graded case. And it's like, it might, I mean, I don't know if it's worth 50 G's, but like he, I, he turned down a 30 grand offer that day for like this non character. <laughs> that was just weird to see, man. I don't know. Kenner Vlix. He's like a blue fat alien. That's when you sit there and give him some more beer. You're like, I got a six pack. <laughs> how does that? I'm... Think about how much beer you could buy instead of Kenner Flicks. Be like, listen, I got a 12 pack here. Yeah, give you a 30 bucks for that Flicks. Okay. But, but you know, these graded cases, like they're, you know, they scratch up real easy. And you have all these drunk guys like manhandling and picking it up. And he was really not much bothered. I don't know. I guess the cost of regrading it is insignificant next to buying it. So. Not a big deal, I guess. The cost of regrading it is insignificant to the power of the force. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> yeah, it's about, you know, it's something on the order of 1% of the cost of buying it. <laughs> Whatever. I think that maybe they charge you a little more for values, uh, like with um, items with values that high, but not significantly. It's definitely something you got to insure when you ship it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to tell on yourself. So you pay like thousands in taxes and stuff. Yeah. But if it gets. Um, <laughs> when you buy and sell that stuff. But clearly that was what was happening in these lobby sales. And there weren't just like ungodly wads of cash being exchanged all over the place. But, um, and, and then, you know, there's, if there's other weird stuff, like because it was the celebration was in London, a lot of the like generic, like giveaways and swag are like selling for like quite a bit on eBay because like, as you guys know, Americans like don't like leaving America. So like, because you guys have such a vast geographical range that like, you're like, why do I need to leave America? I have all these different environments I can go to here without needing to renew my passport. And uh, so, so like, unlike Anaheim, like a lot of the giveaways and stuff are, are, are uh, in pretty high demand. Like I went to this one panel that was just like, um, 
a couple of artists who like do uh poster designs like i and like they gave away this last jedi uh unused teaser poster as an 11 by 17 of like the lightsaber being like handed from ray to luke which you know i can't look at it knowing what happens two seconds later but but this was this is a really hot commodity like this poster i saw selling for like hundreds of dollars and it's like an 11 by 17 that was just given away at this panel it's crazy it's officially licensed i guess like most of the giveaways are but you know you just didn't see that kind of stuff happening from anaheim just because it was so much more abundant i guess i'm intrigued i, I didn't hear about this what it's okay so like Hopefully you don't want it, Zach, because I might have just sold the two that I had. That's fine. I, I just want to know what it looks like. It, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. If you search maybe like poster panel uh, celebration London poster. Yeah. I don't yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. 2023. It's like, it's like blue and it's just the lightsaber being handed off. Okay. I see a Visions poster. Mandalorian season three poster. A lot of like this Death Star like poster design. Mandalorian. Okay, I'm gonna try the sold list. I'll, I'll I'll find it for you. You guys talk about something else. Sure. So, okay, Chris, this is a good one for you while you're uh, looking at this. So, in my local area, I came across. I I posted this in the Facebook group. Was my local like record store that does like used movies, used records, laserdisc, video games, kind of catch all for everything. I actually they had the Super Seven 2001 figures, which was cool. They're selling a sealed copy of The Empire Strikes Back from 1987 for fifteen hundred dollars. How ludicrous! It's not graded; it's just sealed. How ludicrous is that? You're saying VHS? Yes, sealed. I think I have one. I don't know. <laughs> It's, it's pretty weird. Uh, like, I wonder if it's actually. I wonder if it's actually the first version or not. That's the thing. If 1987, I don't think is a, a, an initial release. No, because no, the I have a store display for the Return of the Jedi release, and that says 85. That's so. what I mean. So like, I think again, because the box does say because it's like oh, like 10 years of celebrating the saga, and like these were released on VHS well before 87. Oh yeah. Well, it was it wasn't contemporaneous with the movie, but it was definitely by '85 for sure. Yeah. yeah. I can't find this poster on eBay. Yeah, I'm I'm working on it. I'm working on it. You asked me something. Ask Joe something. Joe's holding up VHSs to the camera. Those are the special editions, aren't they? Right, Chris? I can't see it, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the special editions. I no. Wait, maybe not. Oh, sealed. Yeah, sealed. Sealed. Yeah, but these I think that's a special editions. Oh, that's that's a sin. Like you should like like I'll pay it you is. to throw it out. It's a special edition. Joe, it worked today. I was showing everybody that uh the different cuz uh, people cuz obviously we should say this weekend as well is the uh, re-release of the Re- Return of the Jedi into theaters. And everybody kept asking, "Will you go see it?" And I said, "No." Yeah. Had to go to a, into a 15-minute dissertation about uh Sai Snoodles and uh Jao Yauza. Everyone just starts looking at me being like, "What does difference does this make?" And I'm like, "If this doesn't bother you, don't get me started on no." And then, of course, Hayden Christensen being put in, like yeah. tr- trying to explain to people Sebastian Shaw. I'm like, yes. it's like, and try again. It's like that meme of like Adam Sandler chasing like the woman on the set of Uncut Gems. It's like somebody asked me about Return of the Jedi re-release, and me explaining to them Sebastian Shaw is the true redemption of Anakin Skywalker, not Hayden Christensen. Like, like I don't get it. Makes no sense. Makes no sense whatsoever. 
But even too, I will say about like the thing about Disney re-releasing Jedi right now is like I know why they're not doing it in May because obviously that's like your summer movie season. But two, they're not even releasing it like in high like like quality formats, like no IMAX, no Dolby, no really premiere show like premiere quality showings. Um, it's literally just like you're watching the Disney Plus version for sixteen dollars in the theater. So I get if you've never seen a Star Wars before in a theater, it could be exciting. But you're going to see it on a screen that's best slightly above like home video viewing. Yeah. And so, again, it's novel to see Star Wars in a theater. As someone who's done that once, I really would never do it again because there's nothing exciting about it. Like if you're not seeing it in some like in a presentation – instead of saying premium, premium format, I probably should say premium presentation. And I'm just like I, I don't get it. Like it, they're not – they're just putting it into theaters – for the sake of putting it into theaters. They're not doing it for any reason. It's a cash grab. But it's not even like a good cash grab. Like what incentive is there? It's still gonna it's still gonna grab people to go in there. It will. Like I I get when they re-released Empire during the pandemic, like it made sense, especially when Hollywood was just like regurgitating anything they could that could get people to go to the theaters. But like I don't know. Like I, I keep trying to think of a reason why I want to see Jedi in theaters this weekend, and I'm like, I'd rather sit at home and watch it. Even if, even if I wasn't somebody who was so beholden to Star Wars as an intellectual property, like, what incentive is it to see it this weekend and not watch it on Disney Plus? It's more of an incentive to buy Disney Plus than it is to go see it in a the theater. I'm gonna do it just because it's loud and and quiet <laughs> in the room. I, I, no, I just because it's. Uh, your living room is loud and quiet. No, it's just it's just an optimal viewing experience. I'm just going to do know, it. Chris. Maybe maybe Canada has better theaters than the U.S. I would be surprised to see how many people actually do show up. Joe, I'm good. You want to do Joe? I'm going to start checking like Fandango and see how many tickets are sold for tomorrow night. There you go. Yeah. Well, if there's um, I think there's one theater in Toronto playing it, and I'm I might go tomorrow night. Uh, that's Chris. That's kind of cool. I like that poster. I've I've never seen that before. Yeah, this is the this is a teaser poster really? that went on that was unused for the Last Jedi. Really, that, uh, Zach's looking at, and it's just Ray handing Luke the lightsaber, and it was given out at the poster panel, and I had two, and they're probably currently on eBay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's neat. I've never seen that before. It's all right. It's cool. Like it, it has like that Drew Struzan flair to it. Like I can get behind that. This guy's Paul Shipper. He's basically a professional Drew Struzan impersonator for Lucasfilm. That's what I mean. So like it gets a pass. Like 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 I'm intrigued. Like it's again, it's better than the teaser poster they eventually went with. Yeah, no no shade in the panel. He basically identified himself as the current Drew Struzan impersonator for Lucasfilm. Did he do the uh, Indiana Jones Five poster? The one they just like they released a couple weeks ago that looks like very Drew Struzany. I don't think he did, but uh, really, I don't think I don't. He, he did the season three Picard poster. <laughs> <laughs> looks that looks like a Drew Struzan, but uh, yeah, I don't know. If you look him up on Facebook, he, he posts like everything. He's he, he okay. it's amazing how much he does, considering it's like there's a lot of stuff out there. You'd think that they would, uh, you'd think there'd be a lot more cooks in the kitchen, but this guy does a lot of good work. I okay, to go back real quick, I'm looking at the theater showings for Return of the Jedi tomorrow. It's only playing it three times: one twenty-five, four fifteen, eight p.m. The the one p the one twenty five has no sh- seats sold. Four fifty has probably about ten seats sold. The eight o'clock, the majority of the good seats, like I would say, it's 
at least a third, if not half full. And this is like middle of nowheresville, New York, right, Joe? That's it. That's Podunk. It really is. I'm curious. Let's see what Saturday is. Um, I'm just curious. Let's see what Saturday look like. Saturday, okay. Saturday has about like a ten seats at one, couple seats at five o'clock, and eight o'clock has like three seats. So okay, so like interesting, interesting, interesting. I wonder, like, but that's the thing too. Is is you know back in the day we didn't have phones where we could sit there and pick our seats. You know, you would actually have to go to the the box office and sit there and hope you don't miss your show and you can still get your popcorn. You know, the struggle was real. You had to make sure you were punctual or you weren't watching the movie. Wow. Even even looking at the – oh, I should say a correction on air. In one of our – I think it was in Chris and I's Avatar 2 discussion, I said that uh, Titanic was not being released in Dolby 3D. That is wrong. I did see it in Dolby 3D and it's probably the greatest presentation I'll ever see Titanic in. And I have to live with the fact that every subsequent viewing of that film will be in a subpar presentation. Um, but when I'm not wallowing in that very specific sorrow, the 8 p.m. for that same theater, this is not Dolby, but same theater complex for Jedi, it's 8 o'clock again tomorrow. Like every good seat is gone. For Jedi? Like, yeah. Nice. Like it looks like it's probably going to have a really good Friday night. Like not like great by like Super Mario Brothers or just like like John Wick standards. I mean, for a re-release, they'll probably have a really good Friday night and they'll probably peter out by Saturday afternoon. Oh man, okay. Well, I mean, I'm just gonna see it because it will be like mildly amusing. Like you know, that is like it's you know it's it's the greatest space battle ever ever done on film, guys. Like you gotta re- appreciate Return of the Jedi. It's like they didn't. There's no CGI in that space battle. You understand that, right? Like not any. And and the the. Re- and you know the attack on the attack on the uh, on the second Death Star was just heavily referenced in Picard season three, as uh, Data flies the Enterprise directly into the core of the Borg cube to shoot its main reactor. And right before he flies into it, he he quotes Lando and says, "Here goes nothing. It's something else, man." They're quoting they're quoting Star Wars and Star Trek and referencing the attack on the second Death Star because that's how iconic it is compared to nonsense that we get these days. So, you know, don't, don't let Zach ruin your fun. You know, if you want to go see Jedi special edition in theaters, do that. And go, and uh, because I don't mind, because I have the real version as well. Go petition your local theaters to, for a re-release of the rise of Skywalker. Let's give the money where it's earned. Let's, let's have some, somehow Palpatine was returned. Waiting for the special edition on that one. See how well. Me too. (laughs) Me too, man. Three years. We still haven't gotten any deleted scenes. What the heck? It's because there's no, there's no deleted scenes. Everything. <laughs> Can you imagine if there was like a reactionary, like, like you know how like when everyone didn't like Rose, uh, in, in episode nine, they're just like, sorry, Rose, Leia needs you to stick around here, even though she's literally not alive anymore. You go, uh, you, you go do you touch that computer while we go have an adventure? Imagine if they uh did something where like they sort of at the first like five minutes of this episode 10, they make you think Palpatine like is coming back, but it's actually just like one of those Sentinels and then it just gets like stomped <laughs> within like, the first yeah. 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, Oh no, they were not, we, you know, it's just like a, a flip off to JJ or something like, just like, Oh yeah, we're not going to do that. That's stupid. <laughs> so no, that it, would be they, so worth it. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. It begins the same way Force Awakens began. This will begin to make things right. 
<laughs> even writer than last time yeah you know the one other thing i wanted to point out that i enjoyed the hell out of like this week is like this new comic is like star wars ewoks and like it's crazy and you should get it because like a look at this cover with like this painting of an ewok with like fire in his eyes he looks like he's gonna cannibalize you that's great and like it's basically like ewok like campfire stories and in one of them like an ewok gets hunted by gorax and it just ends with him being eaten. Great. That's a great way to end the show. <laughs> so you should go buy that comic while it's out because that the, the primary cover is a thing of beauty. Anyways. Sure. On that note, so concludes yeah. this episode of Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Um, perfect way to ring this episode out, right, Joe? That's uh, right. Check out the Facebook group, Knights of Vader on Facebook. Check out the Instagram at KOV Podcast. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes. Thank you for the occasional Spotify rate. It always is appreciated. Thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. If you want to hear more from me, I am on Instagram at Rogue Knight. Twitter sometimes, I think, at Cinemodities because even Elon will not give me back my OG Twitter handle. But when Elon is not producing Star Wars films in 10 years from now, Chris, where can people find you? All right. Well, just uh, due to the, the time we're putting this out, I um, if if uh, nerdy collecting related panels from Celebration appeal to you, uh, in the coming weeks, you'll be able to see uh, the 20 collecting track collector stage panels that I filmed at Celebration London. If you search collecting track on YouTube, you'll see those sort of popping up there one at a time. And you can see this poster panel where they gave away this uh, – uh, last jedi art that excites zach so um uh other than that you can find me at the chris Portis on instagram and like zach said go follow uh at kov podcast on instagram to see some cool little clips from celebration and the chicago toy show joe when you are not able to buy star wars toys for 28 dollars, where can people find you uh, on the corner trying to beg for change so i can get the 28 28- Dollar Star Wars figures. <laughs> no, you could you could uh, you could listen to Wheel of Convo with Joe and Corey or Corey and Joe. I forgot which one was first, but uh, we're going to be taping our last episode of our season, and we're ending our year on the air. So we're going to be resetting the wheel. We're going to be doing something, doing something a little bit different. Um, the most recent one, we actually got banned in Russia because I used the final countdown. it was uh, that was that's a high point in our show uh but yeah wheel of convo on all major podcasting sites with the exception of itunes because i won't give them a credit card i I have so many questions right now regarding that comment (laughs) but we'll save that for next week all righty folks good night but not goodbye and as always may the force be with you 